Hello, I'm calling no on matter behalf how of much the Boise House Springs check-in message. Welcome to Finding Your Voice. Voiceover and voice acting surrounds us every day. It's everywhere. So much so that people don't even think about it. I mean, sure, it's easy to think about the people who voice your favorite animated series or those bringing you countless TV and radio advertisements, but what about the characters in every video game you play? The voice on the phone when you call your local pharmacy? Or the calls you get to remind you that it's flu season and you need to get a shot? There's voices on the subway and on the bus. Voices on the e-learning videos you use trying to understand your taxes or the self-help books you download to make yourself a better person. My point here is that we are constantly surrounded by these voices and we don't even realize how many people there are doing this. You know, years ago, there was a very small pool of people that did these voices. You heard the same person talking about next week on Dallas. You heard the same people doing the cartoons over and over, you know, the Mel Blanks of the world doing Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck or the Donald Earl Messick, you know, doing Scooby-Doo and Bam Bam and all those kind of things. But now there's such a huge market for animation, they're constantly looking for more voices. There's such a huge market for e-learning videos. People are buying up audiobooks more so than reading books in print. All of these things need voices. So how do you get into these positions? How do you become one of these omnipresent voices that are heard and not seen? I mean, I've often been told for most of my life that I had a great voice, a voice that belonged on radio. But what does that really mean? Can you just pick up a microphone, start recording, and become one of these voice acting people? The answer is, nah, kind of. But not really, because there's more to it than that. It's not about simply recording your voice. It's about technique. It's about tone and timbre. It's about knowing pacing. It's about actually doing a little bit of acting. If you want to do video games, if you want to do animation or anime for that matter, you need to know how to bring that character to life more so than just speaking. But nowadays, more than ever, it is more of an obtainable goal. There's certainly more possibility of getting into this world, but it's still not as easy as simply picking up your phone, recording it, and all of a sudden doing multiple jobs for radio stations or television stations across the United States. So what I wanted to do was put together a series talking to a bunch of people that are part of this industry, that have seen it from many different angles, the people working in the industry as voice actors, those who've done video games, those who do audiobooks, those who've done animation, people that have taught this skill, people that work at schools, voice coaches. Once you get to that point where you think you actually know what you're doing, what next? Well, I want to talk to people that have experience recording these people and making the voice demos that you need to shop around like your proverbial calling card to get yourself an agent. Because to get these actual jobs, you kind of got to have an agent. Now, you can do the pay-to-play sites, which is basically where you go on and it says what the job is, you record it, you do an audition, maybe you book it, maybe you don't although that's pretty much the way it is in the industry in general. The competition is so fierce and the pay is so little, it's kind of hard to make a living out of doing that. 
Truthfully speaking, I'm not really sure that this is something you can make that great of a living at these days anyways because the market is so saturated with people. Come with me on a journey to talk to a bunch of different people that are in the industry and let's find out what you need to do, how you need to approach it, and if there is, in fact, a viable career option in the world of voiceover. My name is Scott Soroka, aka Scott Oz. Join me now as I delve into this world of voiceover, voice acting, in my series that I'm calling Finding Your Voice. There's a lot to unpack here, but before we can get into all that, we need to set a baseline and find out what we are talking about when I say VO, or voiceover. Instead of me simply rattling off a bunch of definitions I found online, or my own half-baked answer on what I think it is, I decided it would be a better idea to enlist somebody that not only knows the answer, but knows the industry itself. She's currently a VO professor at DePaul University and Columbia College Chicago, and not only would I call her a mentor, but I'm proud to call her a friend. Please welcome Deb Dozer. Hey, Scott. Deb, thanks so much for joining me today on Finding Your Voice. And before I get into anything you've done and all of your experience in this crazy world, tell me, what is voiceover? Um, Interesting question. I guess the easiest definition of voiceover is it is the voice over something right duh you know like when you watch a commercial and you hear a disembodied voice say like mmm craft mac and cheese for the win right that's a voiceover when you're watching a documentary or a tv show and the unseen narrator is talking right not the person on camera that is voiceover some people call themselves voice artists voiceover artists voice actors some people take issue some voice actors i know take issue with voiceover artists because they're like you know am i an artist i'm an actor you know but i think Either or sounds good. I call myself a voice actor, but I think voice artist is great too. I don't have, you know, some of the same prejudices that some of my peers do. Because I think if you're in the creative arts, which we are, you are an artist, right? I mean, I'm not painting, but I do kind of paint with my voice, right? But a voice actor, we're the people who do all those voiceovers and kind of connect the dots for TV stuff between what we're seeing and what's happening on the screen. And we're kind of supporting what it is that we're seeing and summing it up for the watcher, listener. You know, it's sort of like you're seeing stuff, but we're kind of putting it all in context when we're telling the story. At least that's my definition of what all those things are. Like I'll go, yeah, you know, I'm a voice actor or, you know, my boyfriend will introduce me. Oh yeah, she does voiceover. And people are like, what commercials can I see you on? Or what shows can I, you know? And I'm like, well, that's a weird question to ask. You would hear me, but that's a different kind of actor. I could be that actor too. I've studied that, you know? So you have to really explain it. Kind of like it's the voice that you hear on a commercial that isn't anybody who's in the commercial that you can see. So voiceover is radio and TV commercials, but it seems like it's much more than that. Radio and TV commercials, yes. E-learning, audiobooks, uh, animation, gaming stuff. Um, The voice you hear on a train or the voice that is everywhere, you know, anywhere, even the elevator, floor one, you know, they had to have a human being do that at some point. You name it, people do it. Voice over phone casting, like, hi, thanks for calling Aldi. Please hold before someone will be with you. I narrate uh, medical programs, you know, there's just all sorts of things that, you know, people are narrating. It's a pretty 
there's a lot of work to be had. Kids toys, anything like that. I mean, the list could go on anime, forgot to say anime, dubbing, like foreign language dubbing of a film, that's voiceover. So there's, you know, so much, so much going on. So I guess the next logical question would be who can get into voiceover and how is that done? (laughs) Anybody can get into voiceover. Back in the day, it was really about the voice, right? Did you have a cool, interesting voice? It has completely changed from being like, you know, Fox Sunday, Sunday, or like a lady with the, hey, what's going on? It's really become like, we just want to sound like real people talking. So they, right now, that is open for anybody. Any kind of voice can voiceover. Back in the day, a lot of people just fell into it or kind of got discovered. They were in a show, an agent was there, and an agent was like, hey, I think you have a cool voice, you know, want to come in and audition for some stuff. But now that people know what it is and more people want to do it, because I think a lot of people think it's really easy to do it, that there's like, I just talk into a microphone and say shit. Yeah, I can do that. But there is an art to it. You know, you have to learn how to do it. I always say if you cold called an agent and said, hey, I want to do voiceover. How do I get in? The first thing they would say is, have you taken a class? And, you know, you either say no or yes. And the first thing they'd say is take a class if you said no. Then the second thing they'll say is, do you have a voiceover demo? Depending on your answer of yes or no. So a voiceover demo, at least, you know, the industry standard is like a one minute demonstration, hence demo of you doing various kinds of commercial work, you know, and giving the listener a little bit of like, hey, I can be really excited. I can be really serious, very informational and straightforward. I can be like the warm and friendly mom who's just going to Cub Foods to get her peanut butter, right? So you kind of find those little bits of subtle variety that you can do. And there's demo producers who, you know, help you put together a demo. You know, they have the expertise. They can find the scripts that are, you know, going to showcase your voice in different ways and produce it with a little bit of music. And so I would say the first thing for anybody to do is interested is is, you know, go to like D. Bradley Baker's. So you want to be a voiceover or voice actor. I can't remember which was the word. That's a font of information. He's a well-known voice actor. You know, he's not going to, he's not telling any BS. Take a class. You know, there's a lot of places that tour around the country. And I don't want to say they're scams, but they kind of present things to people that may not come to fruition, right? But The fundamentals of voiceover, they will teach you. So if you live somewhere where a class isn't, you know, look around and just don't fall for their line of like, you too can do voiceover. But if they offer a one day workshop or a class, you know, take it. Why not? But the, you know, the internet has a ton of information that people can find. And it's just so interesting to me that they want to do voice acting, but then they don't do any research on it. You know, yeah, take a class, but if you really are interested, God bless the Google. You can get on there and find whatever it is that you want. So you're trying to say that natural talent doesn't exist and you can't just open your mouth and become a voiceover star? Um, I'm not saying that natural talent doesn't, you know, I mean, even people, you know, I teach at DePaul where I'm teaching the the students who are the MFA and BFA theater majors, right? So especially the MFA theater people, they've already gone through like a BFA, you know, they're all acting majors. So they're great. They're super talented, but some of them don't understand how to translate their skills to voiceover. You know, they'll get on the mic and they'll be like, one eye would lie. And you're like, okay, A, you're not projecting to the back of a theater. Put that energy into the mic, but don't yell, right? So there's things, there's fundamentals that even, you know, the most talented people have to learn. And then I've even worked with some really talented people who can't do voiceover. 
They just don't get it. It feels weird. They don't like it. And then there's people I've taught that are, you know, not actors and they just naturally kind of get it. You know, it's like, be yourself. And they're like, oh, I can be me. But, you know, nowadays too, because it's so competitive, there's not enough work, you know, learning on your feet, right? When I got into the business, you know, I was able, thankfully, to start booking things and getting out there. And I would learn from my peers doing sessions with other people. And and now it's just, you know, it's different. And it's also different with so many of us recording from home remotely. I learned a lot going into my agent, getting, you know, so there's so much more that we do on our own. And I think it's really hard for most people, including myself, to self-direct and get out of ruts, you know, and get excited about it. You know what I mean? When you're when you're just sitting in your little box recording in your closet or a little tiny studio or whatever it is, right? Yeah, self-directing can be pretty tough. I totally agree with that. But now that we've got a good base of what voice acting is and what the whole idea of it is, why don't you take us into your world? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've done. Um, What haven't I done in my career? I haven't done anime. That's pretty much the only thing I haven't done. But I have done some dubbing. So I guess in a way I could do anime, but I haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, I've done everything the human voice can do. I've been the voice of an entire year's worth of VTech toys. Uh, I've done animation and gaming, most notably Disney's The Owl House as Gwendolyn Clawthorne in season two and Injustice Gods Among Us as the narrator. Those are the biggies that I've, I've done. Countless commercials, radio and TV commercials, industrials, um, you know, you name it. I've done it. Store announcements. Although another thing I haven't done has been a voice on like the train. I haven't done that either. But pretty much everything else you can do it. Audiobooks, you name it. I've done it. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's sort of what I do. And I teach at Columbia College and DePaul University and sometimes acting studio Chicago. So, wow, that's uh, pretty impressive. It sounds like you do and have done quite a few things. Is there a specific genre within the voiceover world you like to stay in or do you just kind of take whatever comes? I pretty much take whatever comes, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, for me, it doesn't pay as well. But animation and gaming is super fun, especially gaming. Like I love the theater of the mind of it. And I love like just I like thinking on my feet. So I love just getting a direction and just having to come up with something super fast, you know, and games are, you know, weird, crazy worlds that you enter where, you know, people are bleeding, dying, kicking the shit out of each other, getting into car wrecks. I mean, you know, you're a fantastical beast. Who the hell knows? You know what I mean? But I love it. And I love all the effort sounds. It's exhausting and it's really vocally taxing, but it's a fun ride. You know, it's like a really fun four hours of your life, you know, when you go in to do it. I would say it's my favorite. Anything that pays me money. I hear you. I would gladly do anything that comes my way right now. You'd be surprised the things that I would do for money. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I like seriously it. speaking, there are few voice jobs that I would turn down. I mean, it seems like VO is all over the place. There is voiceover everywhere. It haunts us. So in addition to all of the things that you have accomplished at this point, I know you've also done a lot in the medical world. How did that come about? Yeah, the medical thing. That was sort of um, a flu. 
Um, I'm a really good mimic. So if somebody says something to me, you know, how to pronounce something or an accent, I can latch onto it pretty quickly. So even though nobody likes to pronounce, you know, drug names and medical terms, I'm proficient at it. Let's just put it that way. So years ago, I was working at Jellyvision, right? And Jellyvision now does mostly like corporate kind of e-learning training stuff on like, you know, your healthcare benefits. But when they first started out, they they created the very first You Don't Know Jack game. That was a computer game. And the president of Jellyvision was the voice, uh, but he didn't really want to be. It was just, you know, it was kind of like they did the prototype with his voice. And um, he was like, oh, they really want to keep me on as the voice, but I feel weird. So he hired me as sort of a voiceover sidekick. Right. So we were being so sort of snarky with each other for an entire summer. I had a great time with him and all the people working on the project. That was 1995. And then you know, I ended up, as they say, on the editing room floor because the I guess the people who were funding the game were like, no, we don't want her. We just want you. So whatever. Ten years later, I get a call out of the blue from this woman that I worked with at Jellyvision. And she's like, I don't know if you remember me. Um, we worked together for a summer. I would really I'm doing these medical things. My husband and I started this company. Um, would you be interested in doing them? She's like, are you union or non-union? I'm like, well, I'm union now. And she was like, oh, I don't know. So we worked something out and it's been grandfathered in. Like you can't make this kind of deal anymore with the union, but we made a deal so I could still, you know, do it under a union umbrella. And I started that. And then she and her husband moved to Colorado, started another company of some sort. And so I became the main voice. I was sort of like, the secondary voice. Then I became the main voice. And it's not super duper duper medical, you know, but there are some terms in there. But I think for whatever reason, like both of the agents that I've had over the years that have represented me for that, then they think, oh, well, she can do all sorts of medical stuff. And, you know, I have to say that uh, I always like a challenge. So, you know, I like to do shit that's hard, you know, not to say that doing a you know commercial is easy, you know, but I that's why I like gaming. You know, it's a long session. You're busy doing kids toys, which could be really repetitive and boring. I liked it. Same thing like with with Emmy. That's the the voiceover thing that I do for Walters Kluwer, um, where I'm like their voice for all these different medical kind of things, you know, that you would get assigned if you're having like knee surgery, you'd get assigned a thing to watch that I'm voicing or, you know, a lot of doctors will use it to call patients like, hey, have you gotten your flu shot yet? I've actually helped a lot of my friends too. Like when they're going through cancer treatment, a friend of mine just had reverse shoulder surgery. And I was like, hey, I think there's an Emmy program for that. But like in and when I was doing Emmy, like even though it sucked in a lot of ways, I had to read the numbers one to 2000. And I had to think about them. And this was true of doing games for um, VTech too, where they're you're piecing together. Like, you know, is your birth date November 15th, 2008? You know what I mean? So you have to make that eight be when you do eight, you got to think of it being a question, being a statement, right? So your brain, so you go through all the numbers and you kind of do them three to four different ways, depending on how they're going to be used in the program so it doesn't sound like a robot voice right that would be like is your birthday november 15th 2008 you know things like that so you'd really have to kind of finesse it and i kind of i dig that 
Don't ask why. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I mean, these are the small nuances of the human voice that will draw people in and allow them to connect on a more personal level with these calls. I mean, certainly better than the artificial intelligence voices. Personally, I can't stand AI operators on the phone. I've, I've just, I've never been a fan. Yeah, they're but. so, I mean, but they are perfecting the AI thing, you know? Is it good enough? I think it is good enough, and I hate to say this, for certain things. But it is going to miss that human component, right? Like one of the reasons that they started using voice, you know, real people instead of a robot voice for phone calls like that, like cold calling, like, hey, did you get your flu shot? Because there is that human element that you can't replicate that makes people get drawn in, right? That they feel kind of like, oh, okay, this person has some sort of empathy behind their voice, I guess I'll listen to them. I don't know. I mean, I know you and I've talked to, you know, it's like, I, I hate that kind of stuff. So I'd probably still like, I hate when they're like, hey, Scott, hey, just thought I'd call. And you're like, oh, you're like a fake person. Uh-huh. You know? Oh, great, great. But things like that, I think, could draw people in more than yeah. just, like, hi, I'm calling you today because, you know, that kind of. Yeah, as, as soon as I hear any of that, I, I hang up the phone. But I mean, that's old school. Now, now you just see the number that says scam likely. And you're like, all right, well, we're done with that. I love spam risk feature on my phone. You know, it's like mm, not answering that. Yeah, not a chance. So going back to Jelly Vision, is that where you started your voiceover journey? Or did you just wake up one day and just say, you know what? I think I want to be a voice actor. I wish that was the case. But, you know, back in the days when I started out, Scott, there was no class. It didn't even seem like it could be a job. Like, you knew people animated the voices on cartoons, but I didn't really give them much thought. Like, who is that? What is the, What are they doing? How did they get that job? And it was a pretty small pool of people who did animation back in the, you know, in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I grew up with some cartoons, but again, not a plethora of like the animated stuff there is today, right? There were no video games. I'm like Pong, you know, the Pong generation, you know, ding, dong, ding, dang. So, you know, voiceover wasn't, voiceover wasn't a thing in my world. I started my career as an actor and an improviser. And through that, um, I was taking an improv class and this guy just called me up out of the blue and was like, hey, you got a cool voice. Do you, have you ever thought about doing voiceover? And I was like, ah, what? And I went in and I booked the job and I was like, you know, this is when I lived in Boston, which is not, you know, known as a big voiceover town, but it was like for a little industrial kind of mock radio show. I made 200 bucks for 20 minutes worth of work. I had a great time. The people were cool. You know, I was like, what? $200 for 20 minutes? Hang on. Let me pursue this a little bit more. So when I was in Boston, I kind of hooked in to the what I, wherever I could do some voiceover. And then when I moved to Chicago, I was like, I'm really going to focus on this. This is what I really want to do. Because like it sort of, for me, encapsulated everything I loved about acting. I liked being kind of goofy and playing characters. You know, stage acting and on cameras, a lot about this, right? I'm, I'm motioning to my mug. And, you know, I'm not a hideous circus freak, but I'm not really kind of commercially viable on camera. Do you know what I mean? And so I realized pretty quickly when I graduated college, you know, I was like, hmm, I'm probably going to have a really hard time, even though I think I'm super talented because of the way I look and the way I sound. And, you know, this business is so much about how you look 
And when I discovered voiceover, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter how you look. Nobody cares. You can kind of be anybody you want to be, you know? Like I had a, a fan, which is so cute, but reach out about playing Gwendolyn on Owl House. And they were like, you're so much younger than I thought you would be because I'm playing the mother, you know what I mean? Of two grown witches, one of whom is played by Wendy Malick, who's like in her 70s, you know? And they're like, you're younger then the daughter, I'm like, that's the beauty of voiceover, my friend, you know, like, so that's kind of, you know, you can kind of get to be anything you want to be that isn't based on what you look like. So yeah, I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm all in. And the hours are so much more palatable, you know, I mean, doing a theater show, I work a show where we did eight, sometimes nine shows a week, and you had one night off. So you don't have I mean, you're done by like 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, and when I was young, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll still party. But like now, I don't, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm like, lights out, you know, six nights a week, that's exhausting, I, you know, so that's sort of a different life. But like now, I think the big difference is that subsequent generations have grown up with like entire networks devoted to animation. You know, we had like, you know, five channels or something back in the day. And then cable came around like, woo, you know, but now we're inundated. There's, you know, social media, YouTube, you know, I don't even know, TikTok, a million places where voiceover is a thing. And voiceover actors are now becoming, in some cases, for some people as popular as film actors, you know, for maybe my generation. It's kind of crazy. So there's classes now. So how it's evolved, at least in my career, when I first got in, a lot of people who had been in the business in like the 70s and 80s, they were like, ah, oh, the good days are over. And I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, this is not a bad gig. And I've watched it change from when I first started teaching, for example, I said to students, there's a piece of the pie for everybody. And I firmly believed that. Now, I'm not so sure about that. I think if you work hard and you're good, cream always rises to the top. Look at me throwing down all the cliches. But um, I, I'm not 100% sure. But like with anything, any endeavor, if you work at it and you want it back, you know, you'll achieve it. But I think there's more people thinking that it's a lot easier than it is. You know, I mean, it isn't brain surgery, but there's, you know, there's a skill set that you need to have in order to be able to do it and to do it successfully for the long haul. So on that note, uh, to wrap up this episode, although I'm going to have to have you back for a second one to finish everything we wanted to talk about. I know. Well, you know, we're chatty people. <laughs> no pun intended on that, I guess. So what would you give as parting advice to somebody who wants to get in to this line of work? I would say, you know, try not to focus on the outcome and enjoy the process, right? Because that's what life is. So if you love to do it, do it because you love it. And, you know, it will come to fruition, you know, because people will sense that you love it, you're good at it, you're growing, you know. And I think other advice is like control what you can control because there's so much about this industry and any kind of creative endeavor, right? Unless you have your own company, right? Then you're really controlling everything. But if you're reliant on auditioning or getting money from here or getting a grant or whatever, you know, like, for example, if you ask the advice or you get the advice of somebody who's in this industry, a la cut out the screams, follow that advice, you know? 
if somebody like let's say an agent says to you you're a little green go get some more training and come back to us agents don't blow sunshine up your ass take another class do some private coaching go back and follow up with those leads right the idea of networking everyone's like i hate it but kind of what you're doing make friends with you know engage them in something you know meet people in the industry right you just you don't know what kind of an impact you made on you know say market a or you right you had a nice conversation great thanks so much for doing this you know who knows two months two weeks two years you could hear hey you know somebody was looking for a voice just like yours you don't know what those connections lead to so then the my other bit of advice is don't be an asshole you know i have many students that i will recommend in a heartbeat and then i've had people reach out to me like we'd really like to hire you know or we'd like the voice of and i will put a caveat like mm, they have a tendency to not get back to you but it's like you know certain people have different work ethics and you be the person who's you know and i know you are you know i send you shit. you're like i just sent my audition to them like of course you did and then, oh, and your audition was good and they wanted to work with you. Of course they did. Be that guy, you know? Like, do your job, do it well, show up, control what you can control and don't be an asshole. And that's... <laughs> And those are my parting words. Absolutely wonderful. We can probably leave it at that. Deb, I appreciate you joining me today, and I hope everything is going to be just awesome for any and all of the projects you have coming up. I think everything will be awesome. Thank you so much for including me. Of course. I had always intended to start this podcast with you because you're, you're not only full of information and knowledge in this area, you're my mentor and a huge inspiration to me. Ah! Well, good. And I love being your mentor because I think you're amazing. And so there you go. Ah, stop it. You're going to make me blush. Good <laughs> thing this is audio. Right. And on that note, I bid you and everyone else out there goodbye. And uh, I'll be back next time with more information about the voiceover world and all of the things to help you finding your voice. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.